The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Just to remind us what we already did today. I want to acknowledge my gratitude to Reverend Alice Blair Wesley for the men's lectures she gave on covenant in the years 2000 and 2001, which provide the historical content for the beginning of this sermon. So travel with me, if you will, back to 1630, to a little newly created town called Dedham. 30 or so families were given permission to occupy and own a small parcel of land. These families traveled from different areas of England. They had no basis for knowing each other. However, they had one thing in common. They wanted to, as their records show, lovingly to discourse and consult together and prepare for spiritual communion in a church society that we might be further acquainted with the spiritual tempers and gifts of one another. They met weekly on Thursdays and all were welcome. What is important to note was the meetings happening in Dedham were not allowed in England. And many people who participated in the meetings in England were fined jailed, exiled, and even hanged. The Church of England authorities felt that the meetings threatened the church doctrine and the sovereignty at the time supported this belief, which allowed the church to use government agents to enforce punishment if such meetings occurred. You see, the threat was lay people discovering they did not need clergy, or church authorities to establish a spiritual community or church. <gasps> Thus, by being separated by an ocean, the families in Dedham were able to come together to lovingly discourse and consult together on how they wanted to create their spiritual community. They did this with three rules, agreed upon regarding how they would come together. One. They would decide before leaving each meeting what the question to discuss would be for the next week. Two, each week the host of the house would begin speaking to, agreed, to the agreed upon question. Then everyone else could speak by turns. Each one could, as they chose, speak to the question or raise a closely related question and speak to that or state any objections or doubts concerning what others had said. As long as, as long as, quote, it were humbly and with a teachable heart, not with any mind of contradicting. And three, here we speak our own understandings or doubts, no arguing. The record reports that all their reasonings were very peaceable, loving, and tender. The beginning of their conversations were about the conditions that contributed to a good society. Then they moved on to trying to answer whether they were qualified 
to gather together. And their answer, quote, if we are, if in the judgment of charity, we seem to be and think we are acting out of genuinely deep religious love, end quote. They also determined that it was too casual to meet just as neighbors and determined if we really want to live in the ways of our deepest love, then we must intentionally form a much deeper community of love. Their conclusion after weeks of discussion was, quote, members of their new free church should be joined in a covenant of religious loyalty to the spirit of love, end quote. And the integrity of the free church comes down to our loyalty to the spirit of love at work in the hearts and minds of the local members. Thus was born, love is the doctrine of this church and the foundation for all the covenants we have made in history of our Unitarian Universalist faith. It is the foundation for the unison covenant we say each Sunday, even if it is love is the spirit of this church. Reverend Wesley shares the marvelous thing about our 17th century ancestors in my eyes is this. They saw that if the free church is about the working of the spirit of mutual love, then the fact ought to shape, then that fact ought to shape the organization of the church, everything from how you join to what joining means to how church decisions are made. I would add that it now shapes how we remain in relationship with each other when harm is done, when forgiveness is sought, when conflict calls us to grow and transform. Reverend Wesley offers another way to summarize this idea. Show me the patterns of your church organization, and I'll show you what the people of the church find worthiest of their loyalty as church people. Covenant. Covenant is the basis for how we organize ourselves and the foundation for living into our Unitarian Universalist theology. It helps us name what we hold most dear, in our relationships with each other, and where our boundaries are in that place of mutual love. It helps us define what belonging to our UU community is and what we need to do to do that. Membership in this congregation, as in any Unitarian Universalist congregation, is a choice we freely make. In that choice, we agree to not necessarily believe the same things or to believe a set doctrine. Instead, we agree to promise to each other our commitment to be in beloved community, to try our best to live into a covenant of mutual love and understanding. With that said, we have not, as a congregation, intentionally created or named what we hold most dear, what our boundaries are, what belonging means, and how we repair relationship when harm is done. Yes, we have a unison covenant we say each week that is aspirational and lovely and will not change. However, when we want to do the hard work of working towards beloved community, where we have a diverse group of people living into a covenant of mutual love and understanding, we need to get a bit more specific than the words we say on Sunday morning. 
Now I'm going to bring into the conversation one of the areas our Dedham ancestors felt it was important to articulate. And I would invite you to be open and curious about how I will interpret it after sharing their thoughts. According to Reverend Wesley, one of the patterns found was the idea of reasoning together about what we love in continuous consultation or what our ancestors called walking together, which laid the foundation for the free church concept of discipline. Take a deep breath. Remain curious. Our Dedham ancestors believed the following. If any member's actions or his or her attitude or carriage seemed scornful or sarcastic or sullen or ungenerous, he or she would likely be called upon the next afternoon by the elder to clear things. Members of the free church discipline one another by reasoning together in love whenever any members see it as needed. No mention of a free church is cast, no member of a free church is cast out for dissent on some proposition. Rather, a persistent refusal to engage with tolerance or patience is the only proper cause for removing any member from the role. That is what they say. Today, we do not call this disciplining each other or even suggest we're going to discipline someone. Instead, we call people into relationship, into covenant. We do and have been, especially this past year, holding each other accountable in our actions, in our words, in our ways we relate to each other. In fact, just last year, at this time, we had an ouch during, which, during worship at the start of the Lunar New Year, which we had to learn how to navigate the harm and repair. Since that time, we have leaned into each time an ouch has been named, and each time we have reasoned and discussed in mutual love how we want to move forward in relationship. This work has been primarily done by your ministers, Reverend Vanessa and I, and we have used our best interpretations of what this community holds dear, what this community's boundaries are, what belonging means, and what repair looks like at UUSF. We have given you tools to help mitigate some of this work yourself with the concept of ouch, oops, and woe, ouch to name when you have felt hurt or harmed, Oops to name when you have caused hurt or harm, and woe when we noticed hurt or harm happening in the gathering we are in. Those of you who have participated in this process of mitigating harm know there are many pieces to it, and it takes an enormous amount of time as well as energy. We talk to each party involved separately, determine common goals, bring the parties together, and then hold space for those parties to repair and heal. Some of the harms over the past year have been resolved in a matter of a couple weeks, and some have taken months to resolve. As ministers, we feel this work is incredibly important, and we need partners in this work. Thus, the creation of the Healthy Congregation team that Mari explained. However, it is one thing for your ministers to interpret what this community holds dear, what this community defines as its boundaries and how to belong, and what this community deems repair looks like, and a completely different expectation for our healthy congregation team to try to interpret these values. 
And historically, the way these values have been named in Unitarian Universalist congregations is to create a covenant. And historically, it has been developed by the people who have freely made the choice to be part of that congregation. Which brings me to why this work is being done now and why we are asking you to participate in the conversations. It's not to change anything we hold dear. It is instead is a time for the congregation of UUSF to intentionally name what it holds dear. What boundaries are important? What belonging means? And how do we repair relationship when harm is done? We need your voices to help create a congregational confident that will help our co Healthy Congregations team as well as your ministers in determining what. Love is the spirit of this church and the service is its prayer to our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to speak the truth in freedom, and to help one another. We need your voices to help us determine what this means to you. This is your work to do. This is why Reverend Vanessa felt it was important for you to do this work while she was on sabbatical. This is why we have a facilitator who will guide you through the process next weekend. This is why Reverend Sonia and I will be present next weekend, but not participating, not leading, only there to support your work, your process. It is also why we need voices present our congregational leaders, our BIPOC group, our young adults and youth, our new members, our longtime members, our visitors, all who value this community and have a commitment to it. Reverend Wesley inspires us in creating a congregational covenant by calling us to this aspiration. She says, our local church covenant needs to be as clear and as explicit as we can make it that we may teach it to our children as the reasonable explanation they deserve of why we do things we do in this church, and that we may invite others, as many others as will, to join us in making and renewing again and again our promise of loyalty, the ways of love that matter most in human life, that we might fulfill our promise. So I encourage you to participate next weekend in the process of creating a congregational covenant. And if you're unable to do so, then please take the time to fill out the covenantal questionnaire. Actually, regardless of whether you plan to participate or not, I encourage everyone to fill out the covenantal questionnaire just so you can take the time to intentionally and thoughtfully determine what you hold dear what you name as boundaries, what you define as belonging, and how you would like to repair relationship. Create your own recipe for what you think a covenant looks like. Remember, this is how our Dedham ancestors set up their weekly meetings. And it was to ensure everyone knew the question for the conversation the week before so people could come to thoughtfully and intentionally discuss what mattered most to them. May we embrace the spirit of our ancestors in our intentionality and in our creation of our covenant for UUSF 
And may we do it joyfully and in mutual love. May it be so. This month, as we focus on what it means to be a covenantal faith, I'm reminded of a time when my son Max was little. I had to place his safety seat in the rear far right passenger side so that I couldn't see his little face in my rear view mirror. I had to put him there for safety reasons because every time I got a glimpse of him in the mirror, time would disappear. I would enter some sort of liminal space where the only thing that existed was Max. And I wouldn't know how long I had been staring at him instead of the road. It was dangerous and amazing. It turns out there's a name for what was happening. Every time I would see his face, I would enter Chronos, I'm sorry, I would exit Chronos time, chronological sequential time, and I would enter into Kairos time, a type of unmeasurable heart time that lives in moments. The thing about these Kairos moments is that they can't be forced and they absolutely can't be scheduled. We happen upon them when we make space for love. Unitarian parish minister James Luther Adams named what he called the five smooth stones of religious liberalism in an essay he called Guiding Principles for a Free Faith. They are, one, religious liberalism depends on the principle that revelation is continuous. Two, all relations between persons ought ideally to rest on mutual free consent and not on coercion. Three, religious liberalism affirms the moral obligation to direct one's effort towards the establishment of a just and loving community. It is this which makes the prophet indispensable in liberalism. Four, we deny the immaculate conception of virtue and affirm the necessity of social incarnation. And finally, the fifth stone is liberalism holds that the resources, divine and human, that are available for the achievement of meaningful change justify an attitude of optimism. We're enough. I'm struck by how James Luther Adams's tightly constructed parameters are paradoxically instruments of liberation. The boundaries he names make space. I hope we can take his example to heart when we gather on Saturday to write our church covenant. I hope we will show up ready to listen for how we can make space for each other. Last year, Liz Strand, Athena Papadakos, Laura Ludwig, and I attended a training called Tending Covenant, Training for Right Relationship Teams. It was offered by the UU Institute, which is part of the Unitarian Universalist Association, as part of an effort to create healthy congregations teams in our churches. 
And I'm happy to say that Liz, Athena, and I will be the team here at UUSF. The purpose of the team is to offer a container for deep listening for members needing assistance with direct conversations when they find themselves at odds and feel that the covenant between them is strained. So if you engage us, be prepared for a slow process. We will be moving at the speed of trust, heart time, Kairos time. Let me just say what the Healthy Congregation team is not. We are not mediators. We're not marriage counselors. We're not final arbiters of who is right and who is wrong. We are members who are available to help other members who willingly consent to enter into a restorative process together with the goal of finding out how they can restore the covenant between them. My wish for you, USF, is for it to be a place where the bonds of community are so robust that whenever conflict arises, our instinct will be to run towards each other, not away. Because accountability is love, and love is liberation. Like the mirror that reflected Max's little face, may the covenant we make serve as a portal to that place of the heart where time is limitless as grace, and our best hopes for each other smile lovingly back.